Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. We are still trying our best to stay alive here at the bargain basement of the Kaiju Podcasting Airwaves. And let me tell you, Alex, I am super excited for this episode, maybe more excited than I've ever been for any episode, because today we have, as I said in the preamble, not one, not two, but four amazing contributors to this thing we call the Kaiju community. And we'll introduce those lovely people here in a second, Alex, but one thing I want to bring to your attention, and you probably already have thought about this, mm-hmm. this episode marks our one-year anniversary of the show. Pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, I completely forgot. So, <laughs> <laughs> how exciting that we're going to uh, hardly participate in our one-year episode. I think our fans exactly. will be uh, thrilled. <laughs> they, they will be thrilled. Uh, they're sick of hearing us at this point because, honestly, <laughs> yes. I, I, I do want to give us give us uh, a, our own pat on the back here because we have done 52 episodes in 52 weeks, which, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and, and we've had some crazy stuff happen in our lives in, in within that year. Uh, so it, it's been awesome. It's been great to kind of get to know people, like some of the people we brought on for this special episode. Uh, so I'm really excited to see where the next year takes us, Alex. Me too. I like hearing people that know more than me talk about a topic because now that that's is just about everybody we bring <laughs> exactly, on. Exactly. So. Exactly. We know nothing. <laughs> yeah, this is so true. This is so true. Um, anything else, Alex, before we jump in? Uh, no, I think, I think I'm ready to go. This is This is going to be cool. a fun one, Eric. I, th- I thought about calling this the, I thought maybe the, the Kaneko Trilogy Knockout, but mm. I went with the Heisei Trilogy Roundup. I couldn't go with Roundtable because Faye has the podcast, Godzilla oh. Roundtable. Yeah. So yeah, it is uh, pretty much a roundtable, though, because yeah, we do for, have four guests. For a Zencaster episode, I put Trilogy Trowdown. Uh, mm, trilogy <laughs> Trowdown. Okay. If it made you cringe <laughs> enough, I'll use it. Uh, probably did, yes. All right. Well, Alex, let's go ahead and introduce our ra- introduce our roundup guest who have been patiently waiting at the bottom of this internet ocean. Uh, first up, all the way from across the pond, we have writer and filmmaker Christopher Stewardson, who is the deputy editor at Our Culture Magazine. He also has articles appearing for Arrow and Eureka Video. Chris's latest short film, Mantis, is available now on YouTube. And Chris, if I missed anything, please feel free to add to that introduction. But I do have a question to ask you as you introduce yourself. Which has had the bigger influence on the other? Is it your filmmaking that has had a bigger influence on your writing or your writing that has a bigger influence on your filmmaking? Oh, wow. Gosh, uh, <laughs> what a great question. Uh, well, uh, first of all, thanks very much, guys, for ha- having me on board. It's lovely to be here um, and speaking with everyone. Um, it's it's an absolute privilege to be a part of this. Um, uh, yeah, you pretty much covered it. Um, he- hello, everyone. My name is Chris. Uh, I'm a filmmaker and a writer. I do most of my writing for our Culture Mag, uh, both covering new releases and a load of genre and cult films. Um as uh, these guys wonderfully explained, I've also got some uh, recent articles for both Arrow Video and Eureka, um, which the, the Eureka stuff for the H-Man and Mothra, that will come out a couple of months down the line, I believe in November, which is great. Um, sure. To answer your question about what influences it more, um, I think it's a little bit of both because in the stuff that I do when I'm writing about films, I will inevitably go and read loads of books on uh, the context behind the production histories of these movies, um, and that in turn makes me appreciate 
the films themselves that I'm talking about a bit more. Uh, but it also gives me, in terms of looking at, say, the production history behind something like um, Earth versus the Spider or the stuff that, you know, the, the entire history of Bert I. Gordon, um, when looking at that, that kind of definitely inspires me in terms of the filmmaking pursuits, um, you know, especially in hearing how what a lot of these filmmakers were able to accomplish on such small budgets, which is nothing short of inspiring. And I think that definitely influences me to go, okay, actually, no, I can do this for another project uh, because, you know, we've had these people do it in the past on absolute, you know, nothing. Um, so it's, yeah, I think it, it's uh, it's a bit of both. Hmm. Now, it, is it Mantis or Mantis? <laughs> um, I ju- honestly, I just said it as Mantis all the time. Um, so yeah, just just go with Mantis. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Right. If you search for it, you can search Man Hyphen Tis on YouTube, and you'll find it. It's definitely Kafka esque with a twist, and that's what I'll say with it. <laughs> Thank you very uh, much, <laughs> Alex. You want to uh, introduce our next guest? Yeah. So next up, we've got Lisa Nafziger, professional artist and creator of. You might have to correct me on this one, Lisa. Petrichor, Taking Back Toku, and Minus. Lisa, right. as you introduce yourself, I'm curious, how has the pandemic affected your work as an artist? It's been a great time to stay inside and draw. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was very fortunate to have a big comic contract land in my lap, like right at the beginning of April. So pretty much Mm. when this started. So I've been glued to my desk ever since. So that's kind of a nice place to be. So I don't think I'm missing much on the outside for once. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's certainly uh, a little uneventful there right now. Um, Next, I guess, you know, Eric, you said we have not one, not two, but four guests. And you skipped number three for a reason, because that's Michael, uh, a returning guest we've had (laughs) on the podcast. And I think a lot of people are familiar with him with uh, being the Kaiju Groupie and a host on the Kaiju Weekly Podcast. And somehow he's finagled his way onto the show. Michael, how did you manage to get invited again? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I, when I was but a wee lad, um, I'm sorry. Not that far back. (laughs) Yeah, that was honestly that was insulting to Chris, Michael. That was that was. I'm sorry, Chris. That was a really, that was a really poor accent. Um, hi, I'm Michael. I am uh, the bringer of bad jokes, uh, at least poorly timed jokes. I'm also, as Alex pointed out, I am the Kaiju Groupie. I run my own podcast called the Kaiju Groupie Podcast, and I'm also a co-host on Kaiju Weekly. Um, what brought me here? Um, I asked to come on. <laughs> That's begged. That's that's, 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 uh, no, 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 no. I didn't beg. I didn't beg. Uh, I did a little piece of artwork for you guys, um, and you were so appreciative. You begged me to come on for this. That's that's exactly Mm. how it happened. Truth. No one can dispute me. That that is the story we'll go with, Michael, and the story you can keep telling yourself as you go to bed tonight. But in all seriousness, guys, thank you so much. I I really appreciate it. It's it's been a blast. it's been a blast being with you guys in the past, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot of fun today. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Michael isn't our only returning guest. Uh, next up is Faye, and listeners may remember her from the King of the Monsters bonus episode, but she recently started her own podcast, Godzilla Roundtable. So, Faye, my question for you is, do you think starting a podcast has made you more thought- a more thoughtful Godzilla fan 
and film viewer? Well, to be quite honest, I've always been been, been overly pretentious as it is <laughs> with, my, with my Godzilla <laughs> viewing and thoughts. So if anything, it actually made me line up a bit because of my co-host Crash, who's new to it. Who's and who nice. and who's basically kind of made me see it more from a casual point of view and and stop being as pretentious as I can be with it, um, especially <laughs> with film because I am a Fixes Monocle graduate of the Jacob Burns School of the Arts. <laughs> so <laughs> to humble brag there a little bit, but yeah, um, no, I'm still my pretentious self as you could, as I just pro- proved there by dropping it. Like film school means anything. What honestly, it, it doesn't mean anything. And also, of course, I'm still writing something ghoulish articles, getting people angry. So that's what I've been up to. <laughs> you have a talent for hey, that, that works. Way. I, I, yeah. I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, they somehow manages to make people uh, angry online. Don't know how that happens because people are, are so rarely angry. Online, I know, right? but it happens. <laughs> So let, let's jump into this then. Uh, and we're going to start with, with this question. And Faye, we'll come to you first. So the Gamera box set has just been released. And it seems like Gamera is finding new life online and within the Kaiju community. And this trilogy seems to be its centerpiece. So my first question that I want to ask you all is this. What do you think makes Kaneko's trilogy so special, not just for Kaiju fans, but for those who aren't fanatics but just love good movies? Well, I feel like with the, with the Kaneko trilogy, one thing I really noticed because I just watched all three back to back over the last twenty four hours. Um, for the first thing is they actually look like movies for once. Like they have a very cinematic look to them that I feel like you don't always get with kaiju films, unfortunately, as, either as a result of budget or time constraints. Sometimes that happens. And Kaneko's films have a lot of thought and care put into put into into their look and their cinematography. So I think that's one big reason. Also, these are such character focused films as a whole. Like I feel like the characters are the focus of of Kaneko's films, not just in Gamera, but also of course later on with GMK. And I think that's also why they tend to be so beloved and well liked among general. I'm an audience fans as well who are just kind of getting into it. I know that's what really made them stand out to me when I first saw them. Also, of course, you have the amazing special effects by Shinji Higuchi, which looks phenomenal. Even now, we're approaching mm-hmm. over 20 years later for most, of the, for all of these, actually. Oof. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what about you? Uh, well, I think it's it's quite interesting. I, I, I was thinking about it when I rewatched them um, over the last couple of weeks that I controversial statement i think that they are probably bar maybe lord of the rings probably it's i think it's the best trilogy put to cinema um and i say that Ooh. as somebody who's a big original star wars trilogy fan um and i think what i like about them so much and um, what makes them appealing is that not only do they complete a, a story arc over three films but each film is able to stand on its own um each film uh, in the way that it, the characters are introduced, in the way that the they're because they're exceptionally well written, and because they are written in such a way that, uh, for example, when you get to Gamera, you could just watch Gamera three, and you don't have to have seen Guardian of the Universe or Advent of Legion. Uh, I know it's I know I know it's 
I know that it's always translated as Attack of Legion, but the ti- the English title that's burned in on the screen says Advent of Legion, and that just sounds way cooler to me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think you could, without having seen those movies, when Inspector Asako turns back up, because of the dialogue from Nagamine, uh, or I think I pronounced that right, I'm Full full disclosure, I am terrible at pronouncing names, so uh, big apologies. <laughs> oh, um, we have something uh, in common. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think when he is in, reintroduced, not only in the performances do you, do you understand that there is a history between them, but there's also great dialogue between them as well, and they have that wonderful moment where they're sat at the bar talking together. And so you could watch that, as a first-time viewer of just Gamera 3, and I think you could go, oh, okay, I, I get it. Even if you haven't seen the previous two movies, you get where they've come from. And I think mm-hmm. that's true of all of them, which mean, which is great because it means that every film is able to stand on its own, but at the same time, watching them you know, back-to-back or, or, or over a period of time, how, however you do it, they do complete a story. And I think that the, the fact that they are able to work on both levels, because there are a lot of trilogies that don't, um, Mm-hmm. That I think that's really quite fabulous. I think that's great, and yeah. that that really appeals to me. And I think that's one of the reasons why they they are such standout films. Yeah, no, I agree, and it's interesting because I've talked to multiple people who have said, you know, they started with Gamera three, <laughs> and it worked. You know, uh, so I think you're right on the money there, Chris. Lisa, Lisa, what about you? What do you think makes this trilogy so special? I agree with what uh, Chris is saying mostly. Um, it's a solid standalone series. You could watch any of the movies um, by itself, and I think it still holds up. I'll say that for the longest time, I dodged watching any of these movies because I tend to think that like gritty 90s reboots or like 2000 stuff is like this joyless experience um i i was listening to the matt frank uh episode you did about Giron, and i was thinking about how he put it like uh the show movies are fun but it's like the the styrofoam nightmare of whatever he said <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um but like even those even though these are updated they still manage to be really colorful and engaging um and i think the series yeah it's not dependent on any previous knowledge of other movies so I think that makes it really accessible to people who are newcomers on the scene but it doesn't feel like it's watered down in a way that's like not going to be enjoyable for longtime fans mm-hmm. yeah no I like I like that point about the aesthetic of these films as well Michael what about you man I'm gonna say that well I'm gonna go ahead and, and second all of those answers because they're all beautiful answers but what I will say is that you forget that these are guys in suits for these, for this trilogy mm-hmm. it, and because they do look so good. And one thing that this trilogy was able to do that some of the show of films was not, was I actually cared about these characters. I actually cared about their story. Uh, whereas, you know, in the, in prior films, maybe not so much. They were just monster movies to some to some extent but for the trilogy here the stories are so beautifully intertwined and so beautifully written you can't help but just love these characters and you can't help but just admire the the work that goes into this and you you do forget that these are guys in rubber suits for the time that you're watching these because the effects stand the, the effects hold up so well after all this time yeah they really do uh that Eric kind of hinted at it earlier, but we've talked to several people who have started at weird spots in the trilogy. 
uh, namely Gamera 3. How about you all? What movie was the first one of the trilogy that you saw? And did you go back and watch them in order? Or what, what happened? You just catch them on TV? Uh, Lisa, you want to go first? <laughs> so my <laughs> confession you might be gathering is that the first time I watched these movies was Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Um, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> they, they're that's really awesome. enjoyable to watch back to back, though. So I think even if I'd done it earlier, I would have wanted to watch them so like quickly right after each other. Um, like I said earlier too, I think I've avoided them for so long. I started with the Showa series, but these ones, I just thought they were going to lose like the, the zaniness that I enjoyed with the earlier series and just like it was going to be too grim and serious. Um, yeah, it's, a uh, trying to think what was the first one that I watched? I know that, um, when I was, uh, looking for some stuff to listen to in the background while I was doing some comics work. Cause I've basically been imprisoned in front of my computer since 2014. Um, I was just listening <laughs> to something in the background and I saw that mystery science theater was on uh, Netflix and I thought, Oh, what's this monster thing? Oh, so it was Gamera versus Giron. Now I remember. And I had drawn some fan art of Giron cause I was like, Oh, there's this whole monster series I didn't know about. And then I noticed that got a lot of traction online. So that's how I ended up in this community too. Um, didn't know anybody else like this kind of stuff. <laughs> and, 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 and Giron awesome. is an awesome starting point. I mean, I love that monster. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's yeah. the kaiju, shupi, he's the kaiju sushi chef. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, what about you? Um, well, just to piggyback off that, uh, Gamera vs. Guiron was the first Gamera movie I ever got to see, um, which was, uh, I. It, it was really weird. There was this channel, I have no idea what it was now, um, years ago when I was a kid, which would play classic movies, but it would specifically play washed out prints of classic movies. And then instead of actually having proper ad breaks, it would have, like, it would have a drive-in um adverts for like the concession oh. stand so you know you'd have you know it would go to the break and then you just you just hear let's all go to the lobby and you know and it was <laughs> it was it was bizarre <laughs> but it was great and and i so i saw gamma versus Guiron under the attack of the monsters um american international title uh which was which was great and i i loved watching that and then um i got to see some of the gamma movies years later via the, the Shout Factory DVDs. Uh, and then it was, it must have been about five or six years ago that I, I first watched the, the Heisei Gamera trilogy um, via the, uh, the ADV DVD box set that they did in, I think, 2003. Um, and I was just blown away because obviously I'd, I'd heard from, from so many different people and referenced in so many different publications how amazing the 90s trilogy is and oh you have to see it oh it blows the 90s godzilla movies out of the water oh you, you you've got to see them so I finally was able to watch them and yep it absolutely lived up um and so that was the first time i saw it that's yeah. that's pretty much it lived up to the hype absolutely uh, Faye, what about you what was your what was the first gamer movie you saw and then what about the trilogy where'd you well the first gamma films i got was like because of course the Sandy dubs and such slipped, slipped into public domain. So I first saw them on those like cheap like box sets. And mm-hmm. as a kid, I was like, eh, okay. And however though, I did see some of the trilogy when I was younger, um, from Blockbuster because they used to carry the ADV DVDs. So I did see pieces of 
of, of all three, not the full ones for whatever reason. And then when I really watched them was when I started to get a bit older and more into the people behind the camera, which was like 11, 12. And I love GMK. And I was like, I'm curious what else this director has done. So I saw Shusuke Kaneko had done the Gamma Trilogy. So I tracked down and ordered the Guardian of the Universe VHS tape from Amazon. And I watched that and I just fell in love with that film. I, I loved the tone of it. I loved just how it was paced, the characters, the monsters in it. So I really loved that. And then that Christmas, because this was back when the ADV DVDs went for hundreds of dollars, I asked for the Advent of Legion and Revenge of Iris DVDs, and thankfully I got them, and I watched those. And from that point, I've been a big fan of the Heisei Gamma trilogy specifically, honestly. Wow. Uh, Michael, did I, uh, did I ask you or did I skip right over you? You skipped right over me, but Ooh, I was, but well, I knew you'd eventually. You're pretty come forgettable, back. I guess. So, uh, what about you, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Guardian, Guardian of the Universe on the Sci-Fi Channel. That's how I got introduced to this trilogy. I don't know when it was years ago. I know that, um, but I got for I first got introduced to Gamera in general through MST3K. Just like a lot of a lot of folks, I want to say it was maybe Gamera versus Gauss or uh, Virus. I'm not even 100% sure because back back then I thought, you know, giant fire-breathing turtle is just a Godzilla knockoff. So I probably just ignored it. But as far as this trilogy goes, um, I didn't start paying attention to it until maybe a year ago uh, when Travis and I reviewed Guardian of the Universe for Kaiju Weekly. Uh, and that's, and then I watched that again and really, and really, really enjoyed it. And then I went on to watch the other two and man, I have to, I have to admit, yes, they are absolutely better than the Heisei Godzilla series. Mm, yeah, they really are. I know that's hard. I know that's hard for you to admit, Mike. It's, it, so. I'm about <laughs> to, I'm, it, it hurts. It hurts my soul, Eric. It really does. I do, I do like your point there, Michael, about how, you know, you saw this on the sci-fi channel Kaneko brings a certain feel that like feels like it's the best version of a sci-fi channel movie that is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, For sure. Like just a certain level of, of campiness that he brings to it uh, that helps alleviate that, that serious tone. Um, so I, I like that. Especially Legion. Cause there's like some, in, some intense sci-fi it, it's, it's, it's almost really hard sci-fi with a little bit of fantasy where the other two are more fantasy than sci-fi. Yeah. 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 Well, of, I want to ask you all, of the three films, which is your personal favorite? Um, and is that different from the one that you think is the technical best of the three? And this time, Chris, let's start with you. Okay, sure thing. Um, so I, I think that cinema peaked at Gamera 3. Um, <laughs> I think it's just... I'm not going to disagree. It's just absolutely <laughs> a, a just perfect film across the board. Um, but it's not actually my favourite. My favourite of the three is Guardian of the Universe. Um, it was obviously the first one I saw from the trilogy. Uh, it's the one that I find myself going back to the most. Um, I think just because, because it's the very first one, there's something, you know... From the very first scenes on on the ship, you know when you've got Kaneko using that absolute power move to have a Godzilla legacy actor like Akira Kubo, and you just have him there for like one shot, and then he's and he's out, and then he's not in anything else in the rest of the series. You know what a power move! But as soon you know, as soon as you start the movie, I, I, I it's like a wave of um, familiarity 
comes over me and it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm watching one of my favorites. Um, and I, yeah. I love the Gamera suit in the first film. I, I think the, the Gamera's designs across all three are, are terrific. But the first one is is particularly good because he's still uh, he's much more cuddly looking than the than in Gamera two and Gamera three, mm-hmm. and I really <laughs> I really appreciate that. Um, so yeah, I think if push came to ch- to shove, while I think Gamera three is uh, you know quote unquote technically the best, I think Guardian of the Universe is is my personal favorite. It's the one I go back to the most. So Chris is a sucker for cuddly Gamera. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I mean, for example, I will gladly defend. I think Gamera versus Virus is a wonderful film. I think it gets far more uh, hate than it deserves. I think, obviously, the fact that the uh, the eighty one minute uh, intermediary. Uh, oh God, I hate that word. I can't ever pronounce it correctly. Intermediary <laughs> cut. The the, the cut that um, UASA supervised because that's been the version that everybody's seen. And everybody has therefore just uh-huh. gone, ah, yes, this film has a 20-minute stock footage uh, sequence. <laughs> and, then you, and then you find, thanks very much to the, gam- to the Arrow Gamera set, actually, no, the, set, the, the theatrical version is only 72 minutes long, and that Videotron mind scan sequence is three minutes, and it's, it's a breeze. And I, although there are yes. bits of stock footage in the rest of the movie, I find actually, once you trim the 20 minutes worth of stock footage from the other cuts... That's a, it's such a lovely, wholesome movie, and Jim and mm-hmm. Masao are great heroes. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think Virus is right. unfairly uh, shat upon. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, Chris, you're absolutely right. My, uh, Whenever I pulled out the box set the other day, Virus was the one that my son wanted to watch out of all of He's them. He's got a good taste. Uh, and we put on the theatrical, yeah, we put on the theatrical version, and I was like, this this is so much better than the one we watched a couple weeks ago. Um, and, and it really does have a lot of charm with those child protagonists. Mm. They're probably my favorite child protagonist of the show. series. Yeah. So that's a good, yeah, I'd absolutely agree that. Um, now, now Lisa, uh, you're like me though. We're both relative newbies to the Heisei trilogy, mm-hmm. which, which is your favorite and which do you think is the technical best of the three? I like them all, but I think the way the the third one opens up is just so exciting. Like I immediately wanted to watch the rest of it straight through. Um, and the momentum carries through the rest of the third movie. Um, so maybe, maybe just from like a pacing standpoint, uh, that's why I would pick it. But I really like Ayana's arc. Um, I thought that was uh, like some of the strongest of the series. Super interesting. Mm-hmm. Also um, the design for Gamera in this one looks so edgy and I love it. And I'm just wondering yes. then why <laughs> is there no some 41 song in this movie? Like how edgy it looks. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> this is a very good point. <laughs> yeah. That knocks this yeah. movie down in and my book. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> And Ayana does have an amazing arc in that film. She is, she's one of the standout characters, even though she's only in that film. She's one of the standout characters of the trilogy for me. Uh, Faye, what about you? Honestly, I feel like my thunder got stolen by Chris because we have literally the same exact opinion down to the gamma design. <laughs> <laughs> Where gamma Surrey, I, I think, is, is the technical best, but Garnieris will always be my favorite. For literally the same exact reason Chris said, it has my favorite Gamera design because he's so adorable and cute. I'd love to have a plush of that Gamera. He's so cute. I love him. Exactly. Great minds think alike. <laughs> and, 
and, and and like Chris said, I also have so much to soldier for that movie. Where every time I watch it, it just hits me like takes me back to when I used to watch it on VHS over and over again as a kid. Because it's weird. Because I was of that like that mid frame when you're like a preteen of ten to twelve, where like you have more awareness of why a film is good, but you still have that childish wonder associated with it. And I really have a lot in the soldier for that. Not to mention, that's also where I found out about like Neon Genesis Evangelion because of the um, uh, ADV trailer for that with Pearl Angel Thesis. So I just have a lot in the soldier tied to Guardian of the Universe. And also to me, it's such a light and breezy film to watch because Advent of Legion and Revenge of Iris are heavy films, in my opinion. Like, they're not yeah. light viewing. But Guardian of the Universe, despite its dark moments, feels a lot more lighter and fresh to me. So I could watch it over and over again. Well, for Legion and Iris, I have to be in the right mood and mindset for them. Hmm. So that's why I'd, yeah, I'd I get call that. Garden Universe my personal favorite. Sure. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I get that. There are certain movies that you can just come back to and rewatch time and time mm-hmm. again. Um, Michael, what about you? Personal favorite and technical best? Personal favorite has to be Iris. I like how that film just brought everything together. Uh, and, and, and I think it was Chris, it was either Chris or Lisa that said that you don't necessarily have to watch all three to understand what's going on in Iris. And I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, but technically I think Legion is better because it is a better blend of CGI and tokusatsu than in Iris. Hmm. It would, I, yeah, Iris is a, is a bit different in that the the monster scenes are very contained. You know, mm-hmm. you have that intimate feel in Iris, whereas um, uh, the second one, Attack of Legion or Advent of Legion, as I, I agree with Chris, that sounds cooler. Advent of Legion has those epic, you know, grand scale wide shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I definitely think its technical achievements are up it, there. For it's sure. got power slide camera. That's all you need. In <laughs> <laughs> it was somebody figuring out how to how to use uh, Windows Movie Maker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess that moves us on to our other topic. Out. What about Kaneko's direction? Do you find most appealing? Like. Is there a particular element of these films that really caught your imagination or just really piqued your interest? Michael. I, I'm going to say that um, I like Kaneko's blend of science fiction, fantasy, and a little bit of spirituality in these too, because these, these films have a very heavy spiritual element to them. And you can see, um, and you can see a lot of that, especially in Iris, because you've got, sort of you've got the prophecy uh you've got sort of that very supernatural element to iris and it to me it just went well beyond just a a giant monster movie just well beyond just a science fiction film it's it's a good blend of all three of those elements Faye, what about you well, I really have three aspects of the trilogy that really sticks with me. One is, of course, as has been discussed, like Michael said, um, the fantasy element to this film makes it feel so fresh to me because kaiju fantasy is such a rare topic, which you'd think would come up more. But besides for Daimajin and Mantra, and of course these films, I can't think of another like kaiju fantasy epic like these are. And that really, to me, makes them stand out and really just connects me as someone who's written fantasy and loves fantasy. 
that really helps them stand out to me. And then, mm. of course, um, uh, another aspect I also like is how Kaneko blends in J-horror with his stuff, coming from a J-horror background. And as someone who really enjoys the, the, the style of horror that is J-horror, you could really see like the influence, especially in Legion and Iris. Mm-hmm. With, that, with those themes of society starting to come apart and showing the ills of society. Not to mention that train scene is horrifying in the best way. And then, mm-hmm. and then, of course, honestly, the characters of this film is really what makes it so special and stand out to me. Like, the fact that Kaneko chooses to make all of his main characters in all three movies female characters is really interesting and special to me. And I really like how he, how he does them. They're not stereotypical at all. They're all very strong and motivated characters, especially Asagi's arc over all three films, which I really appreciate and I really love. And naturally, what makes them stand out to me. What about you, Lisa? Yeah, like Faye was just saying, um, even though I wish it were explored a little bit further because it was so interesting, I like the magical girl element of the series. And like I was saying on Twitter earlier, um, I don't know how I made it through the 90s without psychologically connecting with a giant reptile. I think I missed my (laughs) shot. It's not fair. (laughs) It's like, uh, it's such a cool... Um, well, I had just watched Dragonheart too last weekend, so I think I've got this whole like, you know, uh, man and beast connection thing going on in my mind, and I think that's a really cool story element to use. Mm, yeah, that's a truly great moment, movie. Lisa, I'm sorry, Dragonheart. <laughs> you know, what? it's been a long time since I've seen that, so I can't really judge it. Maybe you guys should review it. <laughs> mm. Oh, I think there's actually a straight to DVD sequels to it, so. Eric, maybe that's next on there the docket. <laughs> Potential series option. <laughs> um, Michael, what about you? Michael already. You Michael already, already oh my <laughs> gosh! Sorry, I I'll, the I'll be. I'll gladly go again if you really want to hear what I think. <laughs> Chris, sorry about that. What about you? <laughs> um, so I think building off of um, what these guys have all said, I, I, I like the, the the fantasy elements that are are you know permeate all three films, um, but I think. What I also appreciate is, you know, knowing that Kaneko was trying to pre- uh, present Gamera and, and all these events uh, as realistically as, as he could, I think there's a really nice balance going on because, yes, you have these, you know, fantasy elements. You, you have those discussions in, in Gamera 3 of the idea that Gamera feeds off of, you know, this life force, essentially, that we all generate. But also you have these brilliant little snippets of there's a especially in, in, in guardian in, in guardian of the universe and then again in gamma 2 there's discussions of article 9 there's discussions of okay uh, you know it's kind of almost like the groundwork of what shin godzilla is eventually going to you know would eventually talk about uh where and and that's really interesting of you know ideas of okay well how can we attack these creatures what can what can we do you know and and there's that great moment i believe in Gamera 2 where that you see a a snippet from like a news broadcast where they're asking just members of the public uh what what they think should happen um and one of them one of the members of the public says something to the effect of I don't think we should leave it all to the Americans and I just really like that there's a there's a that element runs through all three films that it's a wonderful blend of fantasy but it is very much taking place in the real world and i think kaneko balances it very very well uh, the other thing which i think i like about these films a lot 
is something that um, we we saw last in Gamera versus Gauss, um, which is uh, I, what I like about that film is that Gamera is heroic and does heroic actions, but is still feared uh, uh, and is you know uh, people consider uh, are suspicious of Gamera. They're not sure if they can trust him. Uh, and what I like about that, and that, and obviously, but towards the rest of the Showa Gamera movies, he's much more out and out heroic, and everybody is in praise of him, um, which is fine. Uh, but what I really like about, uh, as I said, that element in Gamera versus Gauss that is back full force in the Gamera trilogy, is the idea that Gamera is doing heroic and good things in spite of the fact that humanity largely fears him. And I think that that's something to. I, th- I think that's a wonderful message to to hang mm. on to. The idea of doing good, even when you you don't have the backing of, of those around you. And obviously, she you know, Gamera does have, um, you know, the the people like Nagamine and um, oh gosh, Asagi. yeah, Asagi. I completely forgot her name then for a moment. <laughs> but you know, by and large, in every film. Uh, you have the military going, yeah, we consider Gamera a threat. Um, so I think that uh, that element is something, you know, that, that humanity doesn't trust him, but he's still doing good. He's something I really, really like and I really respond to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. There's some, yeah. Um, I was going to say that there's some very, at the beginning, I think it's Gamera 3, there's some really anti hero elements in that first confrontation with Gauss when uh, yeah. Gamera shoots when Gamera shoots Gauss out of the air there. Like for just a for just a brief second, I thought Gamera was gonna be sort of the, the anti hero in this film. But then he quickly turned back into the hero Gamera that we all know and love. Yeah. Mm. Well, even the look there, Michael, you know, it Gamera's look in that moment reminds me of Godzilla's look in GMK. Mm, yeah. uh, like the eyes are whited out. Um, and Gamera really takes on this menacing feel. Mm. And Kaneko, with his direction, makes us as the audience even question Gamera in that moment, which I think is really interesting. And and so I'm, I'm right there with you, yeah. Chris and Michael, on that point. Yeah, we need more Nightmare Gamera. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, I, I did want to ask you all a quick question before we get to our awards, and maybe you all haven't, but has anyone read The Last Hope? Gamera, The Last Hope? Yes. You, Michael has. I have not yet. Was it in the box set? Because you guys was. can just rub it in. It's fine. <laughs> it was. It was. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've I'm not read it yet. Other people haven't read it yet, at least, so. Yeah, it's it's really it's really good. It's only just a few pages long, but it's really good. Okay, does, does it feel like a natural prequel, like prequel to the trilogy, or does it feel like it doesn't really have anything to do with it? No, it feels like a natural prequel. It it I can't tell you how it ends because you haven't read it yet. Yeah, don't. It ends. <laughs> it, the way it ends, it does have a really nice setup that we see throughout the entire trilogy. That's cool. Sweet. Okay, I'll leave it on. That's awesome. Well, these these all these questions all focus kind of on the broad aspects of the Gamera Heisei trilogy. But now we're going to get into the specifics with our awards, um, kind of the meat and potatoes of our show. So let's let's start with our coolest character award. And Faye, we'll start with you first. Well, my coolest character award. This is actually hard for me because I really love Ama, also Asagi. And 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 Ayana, but I had to pick Alma um, uh, of of 
of my favorites, Mayumi Nagamine, because she is such a unique um, uh, character for kaiju films in general, uh, let alone female um, uh, kaiju characters, because she's an, and she's an um, uh, ornithologist. She always knows what to do. She's very headstrong, and she's always the one who has the most sense. And I'm so happy that they brought her back with Gamera 3, because I really missed her in Gamera 2. Hey, she was yeah. on the page of a book for Gamera 2. So, she... <laughs> so, so, okay. So, Alex, by your logic, Jeff Goldblum came back in Jurassic World because you could see him on a book in one scene. That's right. Mm-hmm. You're yeah, right. That's right. I would make that, to be fair, I would make that connection, too. <laughs> Uh, all right, Chris. What about you? Coolest character award? Who you have? Uh, so I kind of have to piggyback off of what Faye said there. I really like Nagamine. I think she's a great character. Um, but I'll cheat a little and I'll say specifically Nagamine and Osako, Inspector Osako. I think they have such uh-huh. a great dynamic together as as a pair because they facilitate one another's development. Uh, in in how frightened. Uh, and justifiably so, uh, he is throughout the events of these three movies. Uh, mm-hmm. He, in turn, shows just how stoic she is, you know, and how you know assertive she is, and how brave she is in in situations that really are quite terrifying. Um, and 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 similarly, what she does is she brings him. Back. She develops. Uh, she she facilitates his development. She provides a, a, a space for him to be able to to come to terms with what's happened to him and and his fears. Uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. which is, which culminates in that brilliant scene in Gamera Three, uh, uh, like I mentioned earlier, in in the bar where he basically talks about yeah. what he's been doing since since that first experience with Gauss. And how that's affected him, and how it, figuratively he comes to say, "Right, no more. I'm not running away." And you wouldn't have that without without her. And I think that's great. Yes, yeah. That that's my actual favorite part of that film is that line where he says, "Beer hasn't tasted this good in a long time." Yes, and yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's a really excellent line that really shows the growth that that character is going through because of Nagamine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It what's funny, Alex, is Asako, we may not like to admit it, but he's probably the most like us ordinary human beings of any of the other characters, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> he's the majority of us, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, Lisa, what about you? I know I talked about her a little bit before, but yeah, Ayana's uh, story arc in the third movies is so engaging. I was really excited to see every scene that she was a part of. But if I can have a part B, and I know I'm going to get... Black for, for who I'm talking about. Um, also in that movie, I love that random like Team Rocket duo that's part of it for some reason. <laughs> like, okay, yes. can I just say? I thought yes. that was going to go somewhere, but it really didn't. I have watched really that do. movie so many times now, and I'm still confused. What exactly <laughs> Kanika wanted to do with those two? Which is why, yes. even when I posted my reaction on Twitter, I was like, the parts I love, I, I get, I really love. The parts I don't get, okay, whatever, I'll roll with it. Because mm-hmm. I still I still don't get those two. <laughs> so I'm right there with you, Lisa. Uh, right, Describing like, even it how a... it ends up, like, I, I don't get it. Uh, right? Well, they had this whole buildup in the beginning, you know, they're in the room with the dramatic lighting across their faces, like, you know, speaking the prophecy and... Uh, they get squished later. Wow, it, this is scary, right? Like, it yeah, might be right. tied to Buddhism because to drop um, a, a favorite um, a writer of mine, 
Um, Kanoko Natsu has similar issues with his stuff because he has such ties to Buddhism in the Fate series. Where if you don't know hmm. Buddhism, it's very confusing, and I kind of wonder <laughs> if that's what's going on there. <laughs> Maybe I just like the description of the Team Rocket duo because they are. They are. That's the vibe they were giving off. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry. I just have to interject too because I'm still confused by them. The oh, so many years later. To, mm-hmm. to be honest, I think what's what's quite interesting about them is, and you mean hell, you see it in real life with with real crises of people kind of taking advantage of a crisis to insert their own personal mm-hmm. philosophies of like, you know, something awful happens and they go, well, this is clearly, you know, proof that my way of thinking is correct. And I think those mm-hmm. two kind of exemplify that very well mm-hmm. of two people who who have some very bizarre and very nihilistic viewpoints. And mm-hmm. they're looking at the recent events of Gamera, Gauss, Legion, um, and now Iris, and they're going... Yes, this this feeds into my worldview that everything's going to end, and you know, and I think obviously there's a, there's an element that they have got right because obviously the film makes clear that the fantasy elements are are real, but at the same mm-hmm. time, the fact that both of them just get completely just dead, yeah. <laughs> um, I think also shows that and and the and you know it shows that they've not got it right, but also there's a great moment when you know Asagi is saying to them. She, I can't remember exactly what her dialogue is, but she has that. She has a conversation with them where she basically just calls him out for for mm-hmm. for his nihilism and just goes, but "How can you say mm-hmm. this? You're, you know, you're, you're wrong." Um, so yeah, I think uh, as bizarre as they are, I do think they they fit quite nicely into the into that world. Well, I, th- I think Chris is exactly right as as far as yeah, and I I agree with you all as well where plot wise, I think there are a few holes there that they may not fill but they do fill that role of being a perfect contrast to the hopeful optimism um, or the, the, um, yeah. Ayana is so optimism. hopeful. <laughs> well, the resilient <laughs> optimism, so optimistic. of Asagi and Nagamine, uh, they really do offer that contrast. But Michael, what about you? Who's your coolest character? I'm going to have to go with Lisa on this one and say, Ayana, um, I mean her, she's, she's grief stricken. And she doesn't know how to handle it. And so she fixates on this, on, on Iris, which I forgot that that was the name of her cat uh, in the very opening uh, few minutes of the movie. But uh, she's, she's angry and she's, you know, she's full of grief and just sadness and she doesn't know how to channel that. And so her story arc for Gamera three, where she comes from a place of just white hot anger to maybe realizing that it will eventually, it, it is going to kill her if she doesn't let it go. But, and there for a, and there for a minute, because I hadn't seen this one in a while, I really thought she died in this movie for a, for Mm -hmm. a moment. I really thought she, she did, she did die for a second, but, uh, but yeah, she is, she is my coolest character because just simply because of her story arc. Hmm. Uh, I guess that's our that brings us to our, our next award, the most memorable line award. Lisa, what was yours? Once again, from the Team Rocket duo, um, <laughs> it's when they're like waiting out the the typhoon, the big storm that's happening, and uh, Ayana's like having this panic attack as she's trying to like 
I don't know, connect or disconnect with what's going on with Iris, but he's like looking at her admiringly, admiringly and like, oh, a cute little thing like this is harboring a demon. I just thought that was so over the top and, <laughs> and sinister, like a little bit of both, like kind of corny, but also like, okay, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. A, a little bit like, uh, well, I guess I was going to say almost like Team Rocket themselves, but they're not really yeah. that sinister, are they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Chris, what about you? Uh, well, mine definitely has uh, is again bringing up the dynamic between Nagamane and Osako again. Um, so <laughs> I'm a one trick pro- pony. Um, <laughs> it's the bit. It's a, just a little moment, but I absolutely adore it. And it's the bit in Gamera Three when uh, she sees him selling newspapers, and it's a lovely little interaction because obviously you can tell he's very uncomfortable at the prospect of being recognised. And she re- and she absolutely understands that, and she doesn't push it. And so she just says uh, something to the effect of, you know, oh, you look like someone I know. And then she says, she, you know, she doesn't push it and go, oh, I know, you are Inspector Osaka. She instead just says, well, the thought of seeing him again was a happy one. And I think mm-hmm. that's, I think it's lovely because it speaks to her character and the kind of the, the good, you know, her good heart and her decency. But again, it's that it's yeah. that fact of she's not pushing him. She's she just that line lets him, you know, you keep his dignity, but also yeah, it, you know, he 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 obviously understands what she's talking about, and I I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she obviously recognizes him there, but she gives him a little bit of grace, yeah. you know, and I, I do love that. That's great, mm-hmm. uh, Michael. Uh, mine comes from Legion. Uh, I think it was spoken by uh, Dr. Uh, Nagamine where, where she says, uh, my name is Legion for we are many. And that just sort of sets up just the really dark, dire nature of what, of, of what Gamera and, and the rest of our protagonists are going to be up against. It, it brings in that sort of, the, it brings in that spiritual biblical element to it. Uh, and it really just reinforces legion in that moment as, as a force to be reckoned with when you first started saying that. that i thought you were saying my favorite line is from legion and i was like did he talk or is she oh, talking no, the movie? No, no, no. i was like no, interesting no. i missed something very important <laughs> legion just gets the zeger treatment and like <laughs> starts ranting about the state of the earth and how disappointing oh. it is like <laughs> I would have been satisfied with like a gear on laugh, like a. That's funny, Michael. I I actually think you're wrong uh, about who you're giving credit to. It's not Doctor Nagamine. She's not even in that film, Michael. Uh, but I'll let you off the hook for this one. You haven't seen it in a long oh. time, probably. I'm Correction, right Eric. She's on a book cover. <laughs> <laughs> it was different in the manga. Okay. Thank you, Eric, for giving me a little bit of grace, unlike everybody else on this episode. So I appreciate that. Uh, but let's let's go on to, to Faye. Faye, what was your most memorable line? All right. If I can cheat and say two, um, in terms of just like funny line, which I love, I have to give it to a line from the ADV dub from the amazing from the amazing Tiffany Grant when she played Nagamine. It's the line, birds don't eat people, because that line is just so funny, and the line <laughs> delivery is amazing. But in terms of like a serious scene, I was blown away by the scene with Ayana and Asagi when Asagi's yelling at Ayana 
for the for what for what she's doing with Iris. The acting oh, yeah. there is incredible, and I and I would ha- I would have to paraphrase it, but just her being like, "You see all those fires? There's people there," and I just love that. It's like such a great scene because you have Asagi after her surreal movie arc now being a fully fledged adult talking to someone who was in a similar position that she was in in the first movie. And I think it's yeah. a really nice circle. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm, yeah. And, and speaking of acting, let's move into our Can't Believe That Acting Award. And Chris, we'll start with you first. Uh, well, I think anything that Inspector Osako does is absolutely fantastic. I think uh, <laughs> Yukijiro Hotaru, the uh, gentleman who plays him, I think he has such an expressive face. Um, you know, So anything that happens, he perfectly reacts to. Um, you know, you've got those moments in, in Gamera 3 when he's on the train with uh, the young boy um, who, who has, the, who has the, 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 the family shrine knife with him. And, uh, and as soon as they kind of realize they have to get off the train, you just see his face kind of like, what? Uh, you know, because he's still eating and got food in his hand. Um, and, and I just think he's great. And to be honest, every, there's so many different moments um, of different emotional range that I think you could talk about. I mean, that, that moment uh, we talked about earlier when he takes the sip of that beer and says, you know, beer hasn't tasted good in th- this good in, su- in such a long time. And that's great too. You know, he, he's got such range to be able to have these brilliantly serious, solemn moments, but also has these very silly moments too. I think he's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, great pick. Uh, Lisa, what about you? In Guardian of the Universe, there's, like, this fun interlude scene in a convenience store where this little kid's, like, disrupting all the merchandise and just throwing things around and roaring like a monster. And I really felt that. So, it was good. <laughs> kid kid acting for the win. No, I like that moment, too. That's a great moment. Uh, Faye, what about you? Well, for me, I honestly have to say, I, I made a as Ayana in Gamera 3 just such a great performance and she was so young when she took this role as well I believe this was like among her first roles if I remember correctly yeah. and she just brings such a great intensity and emotion to it especially because she had to play two different versions of the character pretty much because she had to play her before Gamera killed her family in the flashback scene and then after and she does such a great job at showing the contrast and how much grief and trauma has changed her and she yeah. just is fantastic also she got to play the Shobajid kind of in GMK, and I think I think that's really fun. Yeah, no, what's interesting, Faye, is Steve Rifle on our episode last week, um, he, he was saying the actress that actually plays uh, Ayana in the flashback is I Maeda's sister, younger oh, sister. Oh, so it's like in GMK, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, really exactly, cool. which is really cool. Um, Michael, what about you? Who, what was your Can't Believe That Acting Award? I'm going to go with uh, Toru. I hope I'm saying this right. Toru, Toru uh, Tezuka that played Shinja uh, Karut. How, how do you say that? Uh, Shinja. <clears throat> excuse me. Give it up, Michael. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Shinja Karat, Karata. I hope I'm saying that right. Okay. Uh, I'm probably not. Um, but. I liked his acting. He was part of the duo in Gamera 3 uh, that was talking about all the prophecies. And I just liked his acting because he played the just sort of the fanatical, um, like sort of the religious fanatic to a T. And I just I just really liked his over-the-top demeanor in that film. 
Uh, and that brings us to the standout effect award. Michael, what was your standout effect? Am I allowed just to pick an entire kaiju as my that, effect? Uh, yeah, you can pick a kaiju. Okay, I'm going to go with Legion. Because yes. that suit is... Im- I mean, Iris is, Iris is beautiful, but... That suit for Legion is impressive. I mm-hmm. it is just as impressive to me as say like Biolante. I agree. <laughs> that was my thought when I saw Legion was how it's impressive. That whole thing it's like crab like and just foreign foreign enough to not be quite familiar, but mm-hmm. you see design elements of it that are really familiar. Yeah, even the uh, the little Legion aggregates are awesome too. Like just. That's what we were talking. That's what I was talking about earlier. Like Legion does a really great job at blending Tokusatsu with CGI in those, especially that moment. <clears throat> excuse me, especially that moment when they overtake Gamera. Mm, oh yeah, yeah, that CGI moment's really great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Lisa, what about you? Because I, I think you have similar feelings. Oh, definitely. The the suit for Legion is just so incredible. Like, I think about how many moving parts there are with that. Um, this is a monster that I always avoid drawing because I don't know what I'm looking at most of the time, <laughs> both Legion and Iris. But, like, even yeah. between the two movies, I think there is, um, I can't remember who said it before, maybe it was you, Michael, that there's, like, this really successful integration of both practical and then computer mm-hmm. effects on that suit. It's so cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the design for Legion is supposed to be a little bit unsettling, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah. it doesn't even have arms, which is not something... I mean, we, we see it with, what, King Ghidorah? Well, we don't see that very often, and that's, mm-hmm. like, it has a replacement for arms, but they're much more unsettling than uh, just grabbing somebody, I guess. Uh, Faye, what about you? What's your standout? Well, effect? to say another just full-blown kaiju, Iris blows me away because for me, Iris is where they really hit the peak of blending CGI and, and pseudomation because there's so many elements to Iris' design that are so tough to navigate. Like the fact that Iris has a bunch of tendrils and wings as well. Oh, and that design is just entirely alien like entirely there's nothing even similar to it but it still maintains a sense of beauty it just blows me away and i really love um uh, the cgi model they use during the mid-air fight with gamera mm-hmm. yeah for sure absolutely uh I, I really like that little landing that he does that super anime landing i know right when he lands in uh whatever <laughs> city that is it's just it's yeah. just like so animated. he's got his, his legs posed perfectly yeah for it it's just like yeah i've seen this before um <laughs> Michael, what about you? Wait, sorry. Oh my god, I started again? scrolling. I started again? scrolling again. <laughs> sorry, uh, <laughs> uh, Chris. <laughs> uh, well, I think God, you know, there's so much to choose from in this trilogy because it's all absolutely fantastic. Um, I think uh, I really like the the suit and the animatronic head of uh, Gamera in Gamera Two. I think it's so expressive and so believable. So when you have that uh, conflict between uh, Legion and Gamera uh, on the airfield when the hel- helicopters are trying to take off, um, and Legion just pierces Gamera's torso with like two of its appendages, and you know you've got these jets of his blood coming out, and Gamera like screams out in pain, and the eyes, you know, you can see them, you know spiraling around because it and it's so clear that that's a living creature that is in pain and is screaming out 
because of that pain. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just, you know, so compelling and so convincing. That animatronic is just beautiful. Uh, but to be, to be honest, uh, it feels... To, to, to mention just one effect in this trilogy seems to do a disservice to the to the countless others but but that is the one that I will go for. Do you do you feel the need to do a second one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think also from Gamera 2 that the tracking shot uh, from the, uh, you know eye level from within a car of Gamera mm-hmm. is just I watched that to this day and I think not absolutely nothing in cinema mm. before or after compares to that shot because it's the Obviously, you know, we've seen shots like that before uh, that are digital and that they're, they're still very impressive. I don't mean to to to, to dish that art form because it is an art form. Um, but I think it's just the knowledge that that's a it's the extra textual knowledge of knowing that's a suit that's man sized. That's maybe six feet tall. How how have they got this shot that looks yeah. hmm. absolutely perfect there is there are no seam lines there's nothing except just a convincing image and I, to this day i look at that shot and i think higuchi it, it, he was really he was really onto something yeah no that that shot in particular and several other shots like that what, what i love about them is they're unnecessary for the plot of the story but that's what makes these movies so special right it's just it's gratuitous in the best way possible um, mm-hmm. But speaking of great shots, let's move on to our final award, the Oh, That's a Good Shot Award. And Faye, we'll start with you this time. See, I was thinking of one originally, but after you watching, I have to change my answer. For me, the best shot in this entire franchise is Gamera charging up the mana beam at the end of, of Advent mm-hmm. of Legion. <laughs> that is just a gorgeous shot when you see the pan of the entire Earth and just all of the mana coalescing into Gamera. It has such a multiple levels to it because beyond it just being cool, you know from the next movie that this move is what breaks Gamera's connection with humanity and is what leads to the guest coming. So it's really Gamera sacrificing and knowing what will come just to, just to defeat this one threat. So it perfectly shows how dangerous Mother Legion is while also showing how powerful Gamera is and it coalesces into a great shot because of the story and just a cool factor. So that would be my favorite nice. shot. Yeah, that's a great point, Faye. Michael, what about you? I really I wanted to go with the sunset from Guardian of the Universe, the one where Gauss is resting on mm-hmm. top of mm-hmm. Tokyo Tower. And mm-hmm. it's, it's such an iconic shot. It's, it's beautiful. But I'm going to go with the long shot uh, as Iris is approaching the airport. Um right before the final battle begins. Uh, I like how that one is composed. You, you feel the sense of weight and scale for Iris. Uh, and you also feel a little bit of that dread. Like, you know, something terrible is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. really do. Lisa, what about you? I think advent of Legion has some of the best action shots. I know Chris, you were talking about um, for like an effect that stood out to you, the whole like buckets of green turtle blood pouring out as they're fighting. Oh, that was so cool. (laughs) But if there is something that's like a little more subtle that I thought was really striking, it's um, I think it's during the final fight with Legion. And there's this part where um, she starts glowing bright red and um, you get this reaction shot as she's like charging up and you see Gamera with those wide eyes on the suit, just being like, 
oh no. <laughs> and it was like such a really, I don't know, a good character moment with that suit. Like I'm so impressed, like what kind of expressions they can convey um, just with something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, no, those animatronics are really something. Chris, you're, you're the last up here for our <laughs> final award. What do you have? So um, I think instead of focusing on, on a shot of one of the monsters, I think, uh, the shot that really st- stands out to me, and there are so many that you could choose from. Um, I think I really appreciate the shot from Gamera Two of Tokyo Tower uh, when they're speaking of uh, the damage done to Tokyo in 1995 from from Gauss. And the shot isn't long; it doesn't linger for a long time. But it's just the image of the wreckage of Tokyo Tower with some re- repair cranes sat on top of the wreckage, and it just really sticks with me because. Uh, again, going back to Kaneko's intentions of, of having these movies be as realistic as they could be to, to you know, a world encountering giant monsters, uh, it's a great reminder of, 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 that, um, of that ethos that he had. You know, it's showing how a real response to such monsters, you know, would be. After, after all the excitement, uh, the, the mundanity returns, repairs have to be made, lives have to go on, and those cranes are up there and you know they're repairing it and i think certainly especially in the godzilla movies of the same era you don't really see that you see godzilla trash multiple locations but then you don't see any kind of repercussions, repercussions. of that in yeah like you said you know in, in later movies there's there's never a sense of continuity and so that one shot and like I said, it doesn't last very long, but that one shot in Gamera 2 just makes me really appreciate, ah, this is a this is a real world across mm-hmm. these three films and there are consequences. And I, I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so I guess as we wrap things up, let's get some final thoughts by, I guess, answering, mm-hmm. why does Kaneko's trilogy have such a strong reputation and legacy? Michael, let's start with you. Well, it, I mean, it's got something for everybody. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a blend of science fiction, fantasy adventure. It's got characters you actually can care about. It's got a, a, a it's got a storyline that actually links together in a uh, really nice way. Uh, you forget that these are guys in rubber suits. You re- you, you can marvel at the special effects. You can appreciate everything that went into making these films, regardless of whether you are a fan of this genre or not. And this trilogy goes well beyond what people believe, what, what people think of when they think of Kaiju films, it goes well beyond just monster wrestling. There's an actual story to tell with these. And that's why these are so important. Mm -hmm. Honestly, for me, I feel like in general, it's just how strong of a trilogy it is. I think that's really why it stands out so much. Because some things I've been thinking about this is it really fits kind of like the Dark Knight mold in a way, kind of funny enough. Where you have the first movie that sets up the that sets up like the main villain for the trilogy, you have that second film that kind of has a one-off villain. Then the third film goes back to where that first one started, and I think Gamera really excels with that trilogy style and really makes it work to its best and brightest. And I think that's why, and and connect, and of course, as in conjunction with the special effects, the characters, um, of course, the scenes of, of the film. And and just this, and just what Kaneko and Higuchi and Kazunori Ito bring to it, I think that's why it's gotten the reputation it has. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. What about you, Chris? Well, I think honestly, it's it's just every single element of these films is is firing on all cylinders. I think it, it these films are exceptionally well written. I think both individually and in terms of the the story arc that is completed over the, over the three films, I think the special effects are absolutely beautiful. I think they they you know go to show that practical effects are still very much important. They're still very much uh, valid and leg- and a legitimate art form, and and it is a shame that they aren't used to the extent that of, uh, nowadays that they were uh, in the yeah. trilogy. Um, I think the characters are wonderful. I think they develop wonderfully across the three films, but again, they also develop individually. Um, and kind of reiterating what I said toward the beginning of the podcast, I think these films work on an individual level and they work as, as, a, as a completed story over three films. And I think that makes them, uh, that gives them endless uh, rewatch value. And it means that they are so... Uh, easy to get into if you were a first-time viewer, and I think that's really important. Yeah, that that rewatch value is something that me and Eric have mentioned, and something I, he's probably already currently doing is going through the entire trilogy all over again because there is this things is that tie back in that are really nice after going through the Godzilla series where there's not really a strong through line even in the Heisei trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa, what about you? Like Chris was saying, um, it's such an accessible series and it doesn't surprise me that this is where a lot of people have started. Like it's their introduction to Gamera and the series overall. So you can really pick up anywhere. I mean, the argument can be made that it would be good to watch a uh, guardian of the universe before you move over to Iris, but no matter what, I think you can still, um, just start right there and then backtrack. Or even if, even like me, if you started with like some of the goofy Showa era stuff, um, this doesn't disappoint. Like, even though it's like a new take on it, it still feels like it belongs to the same universe. So I think that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, that brings us to the end of our episode. And as is tradition, we like to do little rhymes to preview our episode, our next episode, which is our Gamera, the Brave episode. Uh, now, Alex and I, we gave our rhymes last week, but I'm wondering if anybody is brave enough, and you don't have to, but is anybody brave enough to <laughs> give a rhyme 100%. this week? I, I brave don't have enough. one, but I'm going to make one up right here. Let's do it. Absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I, I am not good at poetry, so I'll set this one out. You three can take it. All right. <laughs> All right. Somebody's got to give me a beat. Or, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Um, yeah, yeah, you got it. So, giant turtles and lizards with frills who can brave the next movie. I bet Eric and Alex will. Nice. That one was I good. Like it. That was a good one. That was, that was good, Lisa. I haven't heard my name this... in a rhyme before. This is very nice. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> Chris, did you say you have one? Uh, sure. Uh, Gamera the Brave. Can Gamera's success return from the grave? Spoiler, Ooh. it can. Ooh. <laughs> Gamera the Brave is a masterpiece. Oh, I love oh, it. I, I'm it's exciting. It's it. the one movie I haven't seen of the Heisei trilogy, like before we had started the show. The Heisei, the Heisei trilogy? Era. 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 2006, era. mate. <laughs> 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 Uh, Michael, did you have one? All right, here we go. The franchise wraps with Gamera the Brave. 
Does it cave or is it here to stay? Ooh. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I won't give you. I won't, we're not going to rag on Michael anymore. We've done this enough this episode. I thought you did a great job, Michael. I, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't you. have said such a thing. <laughs> but maybe next time come prepared. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, guys, where where can people find you online? Let's let's do some plugs for what you have coming up this year. What creative projects are in your near future, Lisa? Let's start with you. Yeah, as always, half the battle is uh, spelling my last name. So <laughs> links will be helpful, but it's um, Lisa Napsiger on Twitter and on Instagram. That's where I do most of my posting. I'm finishing up a young adult comic series right now. It's like a haunted history thing. So they take Ooh. urban legends and things. And um, yeah, there's some cool stuff that I'm scrambling to finish. So huh, just kidding. My editor shouldn't listen to this right now. Um, <laughs> it'll be neat. Otherwise, that's I'm awesome. gonna um, have more content for my webcomic coming up. That's um, taking back tokusatsu that you can check out. Um, I post updates on Twitter and Instagram. So you can find everything you need there. And uh, Patreon got one of those too. So I'm out here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. Chris? Uh, so First of all, thank you so much, guys, for having uh, us all on this week. It's been nothing but a pleasure. Um, uh, it's been lovely hearing all of your insights, and I definitely think that they, uh, they've they certainly improved my appreciation for these movies, and I'm absolutely certain they will for, for all, all of the listeners. Um, in the future, um, so I'm just finishing up post-production on my next short film, which is a short ghost story uh, called It'll Come Back to Me, um, which is inspired by uh, this stuff the ghost stories written by mr james um and especially the lawrence gordon clark bbc adaptations which if you can track down i highly recommend um a warning to the curious and the treasure of abbott thomas which are both fantastic um, i have done a lot of uh, coverage on our culture at the moment for the uh, fantasia international film festival and um, so those reviews are going up as we speak um and i've got a couple of essays in the works uh one is about i married a monster from outer space and the Bra the brain from planet arrows uh, which are both fantastic movies um, oh. and of course in november eureka entertainment is releasing their blu-rays of the h-man battle in outer space and mothra and i've contributed essays to both the mothra release and for the h-man so look oh, out wow. for them sweet that's awesome thanks chris mm -hmm. faye well, as always, you can find me on Twitter at FairyZilla. I'm pretty much only on Twitter. Um, I've got more Godzilla Roundtable coming up. That could be found at Godzilla Roundtable on Twitter. We're part of Furious Futures and Fossils, which is run by me and three other friends. Um, we are hoping to diversify, but right now our two main shows are, of course, Godzilla Roundtable and Jurassic Games, which is covering the history of Jurassic Park video games from my friend Pokosaurus. Um, besides that, we have something ghoulish, which I, I, of course, contribute articles for. You can always find me on there whenever new stuff comes out. And um, that's about it for now. Sweet. And finish us off, Michael. Uh, you can, <clears throat> excuse me, you can find me on Twitter at Kaiju Groupie Pod, on Instagram at The Kaiju Groupie. Uh, I have a podcast, the Kaiju Groupie podcast, where I get to sit down and do one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations, discussions with fine people like yourselves. Uh, my next, by the time this episode is out, uh, my episode with uh, the one and only Eric Neely will already be out for people to listen mm -hmm. to. And it was a discussion I'm sure both him and I are very proud of. 
you can also hear me on Kaiju Weekly podcast along with my friend Travis. And we, it's funny because we we're one of the few weekly kaiju podcasts that review movies and do the news. Uh, and we just like to embrace some of the sillier side of this genre and we just have a lot of fun while doing it. And, uh, also by the time this episode comes out, our friend Alex will already be on the show too. So, um, and to piggyback off of what Chris said, it was an absolute pleasure talking to each and every one of you. Uh, thank you so much guys for having us all on. Yeah, honestly, this this has been great. It exceeded my expectations and I had high expectations for it to begin with. So thank you all again for being on. Yeah, it was super fun. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having time, Eric. I forgot to mention you can follow me on Twitter at CF underscore Stewardson if you want to hear any of my ramblings, but I fully understand if you don't. (laughs) Forgot to mention you can pick a fight with me on Twitter. (laughs) Honestly, yes. That's what Twitter Twitter's for, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, seriously, guys, uh, thanks again. And Lisa and Chris, you, you haven't been... Uh, individually on an episode yet. So we'll make sure to get you on. And maybe Chris will do it at a time where it's not three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not at all. It's, it, I'd love to come back, guys. Um, so I'm always always uh, up for it. Um, but no worries about the, the time zone. It's inevitable. I'm just really happy I was able to be a part of this. Great. Well, well <laughs> thanks, everyone, again. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. Uh, I'm on Letterboxd. Uh, you can find me, Eric Neely. You can email us, mvmpod at gmail.com or leave, leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff MVM Plus episodes. This week, Faye is staying on for MVM Plus to tell me how wrong I am about Godzilla 2014. <laughs> fight the good fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Michael Herndon and Faye Basir. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week. Try. Try. We get to do it. Stay alive. I was waiting to do that. Yeah. <laughs>